Peace Coast. Hey, we're back. It's the Peace Coast podcast, and we're trying to get on a regular schedule, and we will. Trust me, we've got the forgotten jam on this episode, and it was recorded a while back. You know, I was feeling the vibes, hanging out with the band. I said, let's record these guys, and they've since played the gallery a few times. Conrad, who is the guy who started the forgotten jam, he has been back with his band Candy Miami with Jim Leonard and a couple other people. They were at Show Mom Fest. It was an amazing performance. So out of the blue to Art Gallery and more continues to have amazing artists. And so I have to catch up right now. You know, I've fallen behind on releasing these episodes, but I have some help now. We have a friend of mine named Andrew who came and just was enamored with the gallery and uh kind of wanted to get involved once I told him about the podcast and he's produced some podcasts in the past so he's helping out you know helping us formulate a plan sort of and uh, just organize all the files and everything but really the files are being organized as well by Daniel who I'm here with now who's a new engineer stepping us up to Pro Tools HD uh, all the way from Brazil to Cambridge Mass and uh, we met up at Out of the Blue artgallery.com no not on the website but at the actual space and checked out some of the other cool stuff going on in town but anyway this episode is really about a band that has played at the gallery several times been a part of the boston music scene a lot of them moved from upstate new york uh, to be a part of the boston music scene and art scene and have lived in show houses and jamaica plain and alston so we talk a bit about how they got together as a band uh, how they think their sound kind of is rooted in the history of music. And we got to listen to not only some of their songs from their debut cassette tape, but we also got to uh, play some of my first really good live recordings from the gallery. So check it out. This is the Forgotten Jam on the Peace Coast podcast, episode five. Peace. Here we are. Welcome. We're at the Peace Coast Podcast, also known as Into the Music at Out of the Blue. And we just had a rollicking and frolicking Sunday night show. Um, and I got here about two-thirds of the way through the show, but luckily I was here in time to catch the forgotten jam. We got Tony, Zach, and Conrad here. What's happening, fellas? Yo. Yo. How's it going, man? Hey. Yeah, we're having um, some late night communions and uh, engaging in post-show rituals. Um, what are you guys' favorite post-show rituals? Post-show rituals? I don't know. Uh, That's a good question. Uh, usually always a, a, a hand-rolled cigarette after the show. Yeah, definitely take some time to kind of decompress, think about what what was good, what we could improve, you know. Maybe like a root beer. Yeah. Root beer? Yeah, root beer? Yeah, root beer. I hear um, root beer and Hennessy's a good drink, but, wow. you know, we're not sponsored by any of those companies, so let's just oh, keep damn. it moving. How about your, uh, are you using, like, a local tobacco? <laughs> no. No, it's like, after the show, you just kind of want to get out and you want to get some fresh air. Like, I played drums, and you get really sweaty, and you just want to get outside and air out. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, adrenaline all built up. You kind of just got to, like, wear it off. Yeah. Sweet. And uh, you guys have some pretty slick threads. Like, where do you guys get your threads uh, as far as, like, the whole, like, winter hat scene or, like, 
you know, uh, Dodgers jerseys with like rainbow uh, customizations. Oh, yeah. We have to talk about Conrad's Dodgers yeah, jersey. Can you just describe it for the people because we're on radio, we can't see it. All right, so it's like a, a Dodgers jersey, a, a home jersey being that it's white and it's got like rainbow stripes kind of painted down in the front of it, like kind of by the button zone. Uh, and I got it uh, from somebody who was selling it at uh, on the common uh, about I guess three years ago. Uh, I used to live at the White House, and we put on a fest there. And we had like 300 bands play and stuff. So I was just around the common all day, and I saw somebody selling this, and I was like, "That's sick!" And so I bought it. And then it turned out a couple years later, they were like a friend of mine, like. They were a good friend who was like dating a friend of mine, and all of a sudden, I got a message from them like, "Wait, they had like a picture of me in the shirt." They're like, "Did you buy this shirt from me a few years ago?" I was like, "Oh, whoa, that was you!" Wow. And it was. So that's that's the story of the shirt. That's an interesting story. I mean, that's you know, it's good to have clothes that have a story, and and you know, I guess like anything you have, it's it's better to have story. I mean, a lot of people who go through the rigmarole of having a nine-to-five job and, like, just doing, like, some football watching on the weekend or whatever, like, don't have a lot of unique stories. It's, like, kind of like the same old routine. And sometimes if you're not chasing the money, maybe you're chasing a creative dream. You might you might end up with more stories and you become rich in that. And that's its own thing, you know? So, like, I mean, you had a story about how we may have met and even um, jammed in a live setting at the Cheap Seats. And uh, you were mentioning you lived at the White House. I know Eric Hagen is involved in throwing shows there and living there. Um, so how do you feel about the, you know, Boston scene as far as, like, events like that or, like, you know, going from being, like, more solo then to having the band now? The Boston scene is incredible. It's a really interesting thing that's going on. I went around the country and I've seen a lot of different spots. Mm -hmm. And uh, Boston is in individual in a way that uh, there's so many young people here turning over constantly year after year. And there's so many different people coming through the, the city and leaving also. Right. And uh, breaking our hearts. But at the same time, you know, it brings a lot of fresh new stuff through the city all the time. So it's really incredible to see all the new stuff that comes through and how the scene just kind of like overturns and changes and becomes new. It's, it's kind of like a, like a tide pool, you know? Nice. So that's Zach from the Forgotten Jam. Zach, how long have you been in Boston or like, uh, you know, on the music scene here or whatever? Uh, I lived in Boston for about 10 years now. I played in like almost as many bands as years I've lived here. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, I come from like upstate New York, so not too far away. Uh, yeah, cool. me, and, me and Conrad come from upstate New York. I, I, Albany, he's from Oswego, so different ends of the, ends of the state, but you know, kind of similar, similar vibes. Yeah, I've been thinking a little bit lately about, you know, maybe like Northeastern people being a little bit cold or standoffish or maybe even how like friends can come become strangers and become friends again or strangers become friends later. So Conrad, we were talking about that. Like, how, have you experienced some of that? Like, or like, you know, how does your band form really? Or like, how, how do you find relationships on the creative music scene? Well, as far as how we formed, uh, 
like we were saying before, I, I played solo for a few years and they had played in, in various projects and they played in a, a project called Personal Finance that I would played a few shows with. Um, and so we were friends through that. And then that band, uh, like the, a couple of people moved away. And then I, I was doing the solo thing, but I was kind of looking to like have a band and uh there was a show that I, I wanted to play with the band at coming up and i saw tony at a, a show and we're like hey we should uh play together and we got zach into it and uh so it was the three of us uh, started playing about then i guess it was about a year and a half ago now and uh then tony's roommate dave who now plays guitar with us also he uh he joined a couple months later because uh he was there and he would jam with us and he was good so we had him uh continue jamming but yeah as far as like as far as like finding people in the scene it's it's weird it's kind of it just kind of floats around and uh you just kind of like end up matching up with people it's it you know it's kind of more serendipitous than it is you know in effort i mean you know there's there's ways that you can put in effort and kind of talk to people right. and uh you know form bonds and relationships that way and, and you know different projects and things like that but a lot of times it just kind of comes together it's just because I feel like you always end up talking to people about like, oh, we should play together sometime. Right. And then just sometimes it just works out, you know? Yeah, I imagine living at a, a place that has shows doesn't hurt. Oh, yeah. when I, I used to live at the White House. I, I don't live there anymore. I actually I live at another place that has shows sometimes now. Um, but yeah, living there, it was great. You just got to meet everybody and be exposed to everybody. I mean, I, that was how I met them, actually. We, we used to have, uh, at the White House, we had uh, hoots, we call them. They were kind of like uh, open mic style, just kind of anybody could come and play a, a few songs if they wanted to. It kind of would go on as late as it took. I think that's where I met you. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's where yeah. I met you guys, is you guys showed up and Personal Finance played. And uh, you played one of your songs. And you transitioned into, I think it was Madam George by, uh, by Van Morrison. And that blew my mind. And I was like, yeah. I got to hang out with these guys. That's awesome. Yeah, I grew up, uh, my dad played a lot of Van Morrison. And one of my ex-girlfriends had a similar family thing, I guess, with like Irish or something. Um, wh where do you guys, I mean, like thinking about, you know, how I have roots with my grandparents coming from Ireland. Or like, when you guys look like at the deeper roots of music, where do you guys like feel like your roots come from? Or like when you do your like music history, um, maybe as a fan from the eighties or nineties or like even, you know, hundreds of years ago, where do you see like your yourselves within that kind of history of music as a band, I guess. I feel like as far as like us as a band, I feel like it's a, conglomeration of a lot of different things uh like you know obviously there's always going to be like hints of like kind of the music we grew up on like we're all roughly the same age you're kind of like you know when we started seeing like music we thought was cool kind of like late 90s maybe early 2000s kind of have like that vibe like you know there's kind of like that 90s nostalgia thing going on now and i guess you know there, there's some extent of that but like that's not really it, but it's kind of the music we grew up on slash the music that we were always around. Like I, you know, like classic rock and like sixties rock and stuff like that was just kind of always around when I was a kid through my parents and all the other adults. Right. And you know, then you get older and you get into like, you kind of branch out from there into you know, weirder stuff, Bob Dylan, the velvet underground, stuff like that until you get older and start to kind of see even further back and kind of deeper into all the eras. And I feel like, that's what 
at least in my mind, I guess. I, I guess I'm only really speaking for myself here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you guys sounded to me like you were uh, digging even further back than maybe some of the references you said. Oh, like, for sure. You yeah, know, so definitely blues. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, to answer this question, I got to go way back. When I was a baby, my mom was giving me a bath. And uh, I said I didn't want to go into the bath. I had to tend to my camels. And I named them all very specifically with Arabic names and went on to start speaking like someone totally different than who I was as like a two-year-old or something. Um, and my mom later wrote down these names and she looked them up and she saw that they were all from around like southern Iraq, like down by the Mediterranean Sea. Wow. It was really trippy. So uh, when I found this out, when she told me, I looked it all up and it was like, these were all actual places like Basra was one of the names right. I was listing. And so I was like, around the same time, listening to a lot of uh, West African drum music, because I'm a drummer, uh, uh -huh. it's like the best stuff that you can get. It's like going to the source. You know, right. like West African shit is the best. Yeah, um, definitely the roots of the blues. Yeah, and getting into that stuff and listening to that stuff, I was, I, I, I found something totally unique and beautiful and infinitely deep and just totally gorgeous yeah and i've just been obsessed with that stuff ever since that's awesome yeah it reminds me of my friend felix fantasia who's a great reggae bassist you know in boston and you know known around and he built a gimbri which is like west african guitar with like three strings he like put some sort of animal hide around a wine box and yeah yeah i've seen a guy actually at, at walden pond playing one this like this past summer i think and or That's spring awesome. and it's cool like the, there's the band tinari one that tours around yes, and yes. they're like bedouin yeah i followed them for a while yeah so that's cool stuff definitely mm-hmm yeah, and like, yeah, you guys are pretty funky. So um, you guys can check out the Forgotten Jam at theforgottenjam.bandcamp.com. So tell us about what's on your um, online profile or what kind of like recordings you guys have. Uh, well, we have a tape, uh, and that's what's on the the Bandcamp is is the recordings that are on the tape. Uh, it's so it downloads directly to your cassette player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a, a USB cassette. Sweet. Uh, wrapped in rubber bands um <laughs> but no yeah it's it's what's on the tape it's uh eight tracks seven songs and one uh kind of jam it's kind of like is it long uh the the tape the jam the oh jam. the jam it's like well the jam that's on the tape is four minutes but it's a four minute excerpt of what was like a 14 minute jam okay. from a live show and like kind of just all of our shit just like broke down and it was like Zach's drum had like or the the cymbal sand had like fallen over and my guitar was like cutting out and so so just, is that in the four minutes or did you cut that that's out? in the four minutes okay because it just like we just kind of made do with what we had and I, at one point I was like whipping the cymbals yeah. with my guitar cable that's like, when the track starts yeah is when everything goes wrong that's when the track starts how did you guys make that decision to not include the 14 minutes did it not fit on the tape or what oh i think we just kind of picked the the best four minutes of it because you know it's like any kind of improvised jam there's going to be parts that are better than others sure and uh you know so if you if you can make the choice because it was the jam at the end of a, a song like we were kind of jamming at the end of a song and that song was already on the the tape so we couldn't really put the whole thing in there we just kind of put 
the part when it got really far out and I was like slamming my amp on the ground to get like the spring reverb and stuff. Nice. What do you guys call that? Uh, that one's called The Forgotten Jam. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Title track, The Forgotten Jam. Let's listen to it now.
right, so that was The Forgotten Jam by The Forgotten Jam, title track off their debut cassette. Um, and I had to talk to them about jamming and what they thought, you know, their context as a jam band is, if they're in that context, because they have jam in the name. And I had jammed in the past with Conrad uh, at the Cheap Seats event, which is an amazing variety show that had about a two-year run in Boston at the Central Square, Cambridge YMCA, I should say Cambridge, hosted by Eric Hagen, who's very rooted in the Boston scene, uh, in uh, the poetry scene. He's part of Boston's uh, championship slam poetry team and does audio and lighting and live sound and is a poet himself and you know records people's albums so uh it's cool to kind of connect these things there's a thread through it on a future episode of the podcast we talk about something that happened at the show house that uh conrad used to live at and so stay tuned for that we've got a few more episodes in the can Stay tuned with us. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher Radio. I think I saw us on Podkicker. Um, but yeah, soundcloud.com slash Peace Coast Podcast is the best way to stay in tune with the podcast and get the, the newest releases or however you like to listen to podcasts. But uh, please share it, comment, uh, like it if you're into it, and uh, just get in touch, get in tune. I'm Mars Jupiter at Mars Jupiter on Twitter. Uh, Mars Jupiter on Facebook and we record this at the Out of the Blue 2 Art Gallery and more that's outofthebluearcgallery.com so get in tune book a show and uh, watch it grow because it's a really exciting time for me, the gallery, the podcast and uh, the music scene so let's get back to this interview this is the Peace Coast Podcast Episode 5, The Forgotten Jam all right, we're back. That was the Forgotten Jam by the Forgotten Jam <laughs> off their debut. What would you call it? An EP, a cassette? I mean, uh, who knows these debut days? tape? Yeah, tape. I guess it's her debut tape. That's cool. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but I have this uh, vinyl library at the Democracy Center in Harvard Square, but it's oh, also sick. a cassette library. So right. accept uh, cassette donations. You know, also this is a cassette player and a vinyl player, and we have a little collection. We got the Woody tape and uh, nice. oh, Fred Jarvelin. Couple straight angulars. Sick. You played with them too. Oh, yeah, guess, those are those are literally all people we have played with or <laughs> are playing with within the next four days. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, we like to keep it in the family and we're actually I ran into Peter Wolf uh, from the Jay Giles band. Sick. Uh, at the Honey Store. My friend has a uh, Honey Store in Harvard Square. Follow the Honey. Yeah. I'm going to be doing a show there October 18th uh, with Yakel and uh, Love Projections. So you guys should come out. It's going to be like 5 to 9 on a Sunday. We do some shows there. Um, time to time. Maybe we can get you guys there when it gets to be warmer. In the courtyard. We'd love to play in the courtyard to follow the honey. Yeah, there's be bees sick. out there. Yes. Sick. We love drinking meat also. Oh, meat is yeah, great. Actually, meat is the best alcoholic beverage that you can ever possibly that drink. Is really true. I know a guy who makes meat in Greenfield, and he donated. He also makes ginger libation. And I, I, mm. I got him to donate a couple for me, so maybe we'll get some uh, donations from Garth up at uh, the Liquid Sunshine Company or whatever they call it. I, in that. Greenfield, they also make kombucha uh, yeah. up there and a fire cider. So yeah, 
I'm hoping to have warm apple cider actually at the event. Do you guys? How do you guys great. feel about like creating a multi-sensory experience for your fans? Always love people to do that. Uh, yeah, like bands that have like different visual elements or even like sensory elements. Like I know a, a friend of mine. Uh, Arkham Foam in his band Peace Loving one time had a, a show called Smell-O-Vision where they were like cooking things while oh, they wow. were while they were performing so it was kind of this whole big sensory experience like that I, I like that idea that's a great idea yeah I was my friend was telling me about his his uh, friend who's a chef who makes like frozen sake shaved onto like oysters or some crazy thing like that and he's talking about doing a show that I might be part of, and he might have a chef there or something. Sounds pretty decadent. And uh, for me, I think the the thing is having visuals with the music. I'm like synesthetic, definitely, and so I'd, I want to see something happening around the same time with the visuals. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that you know maybe projections could be an answer to that or uh, like you know lights but what i've always wanted to do is have sensors in my drums for each drum for when i hit it it would light up actually that would be the coolest thing you know what that no we, so we nice. i'll tell you there is a way to do that because we had ed Schrader music beat here and he had it in his tom what? yeah were you Someone at that show here yeah, yeah yeah he had a sensor so every time he hit the tom it lit up and he just had the one Tom drum, and I guess that's how his band started. And then he got his guitarist or bassist or whoever, yeah. the guy who plays with him. There is, I have to, to mention this guy, Time Ghost. He's uh, uh, from Providence, Rhode Island, I think. And uh, he, he, he does an incredible light show. He, he plays electronic music all with boxes and cables and um, you know modular synths and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily the most entertaining thing to be a spectator of but he handles it so well uh, he, he his whole rig is lined with hugely powerful light bulbs and they're all connected to his sounds so that when he plays a sound it the whole room lights up everything is dark except for his controls and nice. so like when the sound goes off the lights go off yeah i actually and have a friend who was um experimenting with that and i did a show with him in new york this summer his project was called block nation before that it was gold block now he's got a blog called house of gold i don't know what it's called but our friend S he's a friend of uh the gallery esteban we were doing some street performing in front of the gallery this summer and like late spring so yeah he was experimenting he plays like keyboard bass like from a he has some program on his computer and like a light, but yeah, something similar to what you're talking about. Mm. But yeah, guys, check out Time Ghost. Yeah, um, Time Ghost, excellent. Are they a local? Black Box group? is also another great oh, guy. Oh, actually, I just booked incredible. Black Box. Um, so incredible. Eleven twelve at Club Bohemia with my band Seventh House, Black Box, and yeah. uh, Self Serve and Solo Sex. He will make you trip out. And a shout out to Samo, who does the visuals for Black Box. Oh, yeah. And if we want to talk about people that do awesome things with uh, audio and video, i got to bring up LSDV. Uh, they're, yeah, they were at the gallery. Yeah, they're so good. They're, they're friends of mine. Uh, they're housemates of mine. And, yeah, what they do with, with like, video manipulation along with audio manipulation, it, 
it's really mind blowing. That's awesome. So you're at the Smoky Barricade. I am at the Smoky Barricade. All right. Yes. Sweet. Yeah, I know that neighborhood. My bandmate actually lived like two houses down, and I know the guys on the other side. So I mean, you might know a lot about kind of the Austin, the JP side of things, as far as like Boston's house show community scene, um, just tendency to have that as a venue. Uh, because I don't know why, you know, maybe because the clubs close down at 2 a.m., maybe um, because of other puritanical laws or, uh, you know, environments that are created in in club or bar scenes. I don't know. I mean, why do you think that sprouts up so much in this city? I think it has a lot to do with, like, inclusivity. Uh, like, you know, anybody can go to a house show, and they can have a good time, and they can kind of pay what they want. All ages? Yeah, exactly. All ages. They can, you can kind of do what you want, and there's not the kind of, like, there's not the emphasis on the business aspect of it. I mean, I guess, I guess that's, like, the main thing. It's like, you know, you go to a club, even the best clubs you know, they got to make money. They're a business. Right. And so there's always going to be a little bit of that. And that's always going to be like a concern there. It's like, oh, we got to get people to come so that they make enough money so that we can pay the touring band or something. And I mean, that's also a concern at a house show because you want to pay the touring band. Sure. But it's less like... You don't have to pay rent because people are already living there and exactly. paying rent for that, you know. Exactly. You, all the money goes directly to the band. Like, you know, like, when you go to the show and put your, your $5 down or whatever, that's going directly to the band. Yeah, like, and Out of the Blue has, like, you know, enormous rent. And so, like, all these, you know, uh, wall like, little walls and different spaces are being created so people can rent and have their own small business or art gallery or, you know, it's, like, turning into this art bazaar and and it's also kind of taking some of the house show um energy in a way even though it's centrally located near a lot of bars and clubs um promoters that would often use house shows are coming here now how do you guys feel about this venue i love it i've been coming to shows here kind of since you've been doing them this is the first time we've played here but this was this is a great time and i I love the place and I, i think the reason it's taken in a lot of that scene is because it's all ages a i mean that's going to be the big thing because everybody wants to book as many all ages shows as they can but also you can kind of play whatever here you can have anything from like you know the weirdest stuff to the most straightforward stuff to the loudest to the quietest kind of anybody can can do what they want here and it's a cool environment like there's cool people here and cool art all over Mm -hmm. and central square is just a cool place people like to come here i don't tony do you have any thoughts i feel like you haven't said anything (laughs) yeah (laughs) so uh, let's just uh you know go over the set tonight so uh conrad what were you playing and you were singing yeah i sing and i play guitar uh kind of rhythm guitar and we had tony playing i'm playing bass hanging out laying down the groove sharing in the groove uh tony is there like any bass player stereotypes that you find yourself fitting into I think I keep it like a real steady face. I kind of just, I don't know. You don't Conrad? try to like scrunch up your face like, yo, you guys hear that bass line? No, I don't, I don't get in that like that sexy groove too much. You get into the groove a little bit. You kind of get like the head bob and like the, but I mean, that's a, you know, everybody does that because you're, because you're feeling it, bro. So speaking of grooving, I mean, you guys have jam in the name of your band. Like, how do you guys feel 
being associated with uh, jam bands or groove <laughs> rock. Well, let me tell you. No, uh, I I don't know. I I love a lot of that culture. You know, I, I've, within the last year or so, I've gotten pretty deep into the dad and fish and stuff like that. But I don't think we're kind of a part of that lineage. Like, you know, we have jam in the name, and we do jam. You know, we, we can jam out of the end of songs and stuff. And I, I like the improvisational aspect of it. Uh, but I would never consider us like that sort of band. We're too much of like a garage band. We're not, I don't know, we're, we don't have a lot of the elements that a lot of those bands have. Uh, yeah, I I think I am part of the lineage because my sister saw the dead a couple times before Jerry Garcia died and she used to trade sick. fish tapes on AOL in 96. Sick. You know, or like 95 even. Um, did they have AOL? What, what year did AOL come out? But AOL's been around for a while. Anyway, yeah, yeah I mean, I you know, I, shout out to G Love and Special Sauce, right? Oh man, I never I never saw them or listened to them much. You guys? That was my first concert in 1996. Uh, UMass uh, Spring concert with Redman and Keith Murray as oh, well. Sick. And uh, actually, I G Love has his own hot sauce now, and I got I got to give that to my sister. It was, it was like her late birthday gift. Oh I yeah, I mean that that makes so much sense. I'm surprised he didn't have a sauce before. He has I sauce know. in the name. Baby's got sauce. But, um, I mean, what are you guys, like, looking forward to as far as, like, um, you know, playing the songs off your album again? I mean, what felt the best tonight, you know? What do you think? Oh, what do you guys think felt the best tonight? Maybe Tough two, question. Two jobs? Yeah, two jobs always feels good. That, that We played that first. Uh, so two jobs on the record? Yeah, it's the second song on the, uh, on the tape. All right, let's... Listen to two jobs real quick.
actually that was a live recording of two jobs at out of the blue to art gallery and more and it's an amazing space you know there happened to be some recording equipment that was just hiding uh, somewhere and I thought we should use it so that's what we got just set up one mic in the middle of the back and uh you know got a little room ambiance a little audience noise a little applause so two jobs by the forgotten jam so what do you guys feel like about playing stuff that's recorded you guys try to like redo the recording or is there improvisation in there too I, I think there's lots of improvisation in, in what we do. I mean, for the, the actual song structure, like the song part of the song, I guess we stick pretty close to what it, to what it is just because that's how it's written. But uh, even within that, there's definitely parts of some of our songs that are open to, to improv. And then at the end of the songs, we just kind of let loose and, and go wherever we kind of feel like going. Any thoughts? I think every song is always going to be different every time you play it every single time. There's no way to do it the same way again. It'll always be a different song. But within that, I think that I, I try to approach it a different way every time. Right. So that it's, you know, it's going to be a different thing. If you're going to see it live, you know, it's going to be a different thing. It's not going to be possible to be bored seeing the song play it again. Right. And when you guys like uh, write something new, how do you guys decide when it's ready to perform? Is that like, oh, after we've recorded it, or let's try this out a few times before we record it? Definitely, we try it out a few times before we record it. Uh, most of our stuff, you know, we'll work out and practice a few times, make sure we've got it down, and then we'll try it live a little bit to make sure we've got it down. You know, because uh, it, it, you can get something perfectly in practice and then you know, you get to the show and all of a sudden there's some element that you hadn't thought about and it doesn't quite work the same way. So I, I like to work stuff out live and make sure that everything sounds good. I think that's what we've mostly done. I feel the same way. All of our songs we've worked out in, in practice and played live before we've recorded them. I think all, all of them. Sweet. Um, well, I'm, I'm interested in checking you guys out more. I mean, like, how do you guys approach uh, the whole idea of, like, I'm just going to say fame for, like, lack of uh, motivation. Um, but, like, you know, trying to get some attention to your band or uh, getting your name out or your music out or, you know. I, you know, I just kind of throw shit at the wall and hope it sticks. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I feel like, uh, I, d I don't really know how that, that world works. I guess if we're going to go for something, we might as well go for the dreams, man. Like I want to be like touring the world in a jet plane and have like drum tech setting up my, my drums every night. Like if I'm going to do this, like, hell yeah, that's what I'm going for, you know? Madison Square Garden or bust is what I say. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah. So, like, have you guys gone on a tour? Are you planning to go on tour when it gets uh, warmer? I know winter tours are tough. Yeah, we haven't gone on tour. I've gone on tour solo a few times, but as a band, we've not gone on tour. We should, though. I feel like we've talked about it and, and talked about potentially doing it early next year. 
Tony's going on tour out of the room right now. Yeah, I did my first tour this summer, and it was, you know, mostly good. It was only, like, kind of a Northeast thing, you know, a few dates, four or five dates, you know, around a few states in the Northeast. But, you know, it's, it's good to, like, just experience different cities, and, like, it's good to take a little vacation every summer anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean... But you don't necessarily always want to do that with a bunch of equipment and some stinky guys, you know. Yeah, I mean, I love going on tour. This summer was the first summer since I've lived in Boston that I haven't gone on any sort of tour, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've been on a couple tours before, and um, I think that it really depends on who's setting up the tour, where you're going, and uh, where you're going to play, and who's going to be there, and what time of year it is. I mean, there's so many variables that come into it, like. I I went on tour with the circus, and that was crazy. Wow! Which circus? Which circus? I was in the skunk ape circus. The skunk ape circus. Yes, I was a, a fire breather and a clown, I guess, in a circus Wait, tour. Wow! Yeah. But you were a fire breather. Why is yeah. your bandmate only just that? finding? A, I do, but I don't like doing it anymore because it's like really really bad for your lungs yeah, so but, but can you just do it in the middle of a set sometime because that would be badass it's possible <laughs> but it's gotta no. be a good opportunity <laughs> no and like gotta have a good ob- audience you know yeah that's a really great way to get kicked out of a club fast is like you know blow Outdoor fire festival. on their fire extinguish or their, their their you know the fire extinguishing system and make all that go off and flood the club you fun don't times want that. you don't want that unless they're playing outside you know, outside that's totally different. So I mean, you know, let's fall down this rabbit hole. Let's. Wh- what are some circus stories? I mean, what is this circus? First of all, what's Ooh. the name of it again? It was the the Skunk Ape Circus. It was all based upon the idea of the Sasquatch, but living in the Florida Everglades, descended from the Seminole Indians, who are, by the way, usually very very tall, seven feet ish tall people also known for inbreeding who knows sorry shout out to florida and i'm not gonna uh, i'm sorry no 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 uh well any group of people that's small enough in a small enough area and stays within a culture there's gonna be you know some overlap all right no 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 discrimination no No judgment. judgment there no judgment at all but anyways there were reported to be people born with full body hair that were viewed as not being very desirable and then cast cast out into the jungle, into the Everglades. And these people would live inside of alligator holes and would later become very, very smelly because of that, because they have full body hair. They're living in a swamp in a pit that was later inhabited by a crocodile or, sorry, alligator or formerly uh, inhabited by a crocodile. yes formerly inhabited by alligator alligator yes so they got very smelly and they would uh you know kind of creep up on humans sometimes and scare people but this uh this one man dave Sheely, he's kind of the 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 south Cayuga county uh skunk ape leader he's the expert down there so we went to go visit him that was the whole reason for this whole circus uh, was to go visit Dave Sheely and wow. interview him. <laughs> we made this whole circus 
to go find him. So we made an, a Skunk Ape opera. We, made, uh, we had a bunch of punk bands that we met up with a whole, all down the way. And uh, yeah, so we went from Maine to Florida and uh, we played punk shows all down the way. And that was probably the best tour that I've ever been on. But that was because we had such a great tour leader, someone who was really known in the uh, like railroad train hopping um, gutter punk scene. And this guy, Dave, uh, sorry, Pat the Bunny. Pat the Bunny, the uh, uh, Wingnut Dishwashers Union. And uh, he was like from Burlington, Vermont, and he kind of put everything together so smoothly that it was just like butter and uh yeah we got free tattoos and everything it was like the dream tour yeah well that's Except beautiful for, like, i mean i mean I, I rode back from from uh jacksonville florida as we were going up north from to tampa and i had to sleep in the back of a the trunk of a car wrapped up in some old blanket and when i woke up there was a tick in my eye so well, that was the downside. Yeah, that's the downside. You're like you gotta like you you have this dream ride down the west that start down the east coast, and then you just make a I bee mean, line up the east coast. Let's bottom line this though. Yeah. You're Sorry, you're yeah. Lyme disease free. Yes. Okay. So uh, you know that's good. the important part. It's you know? good. So Zach from the Forgotten Jam. He knows the value of a good tour manager or guiding leader and also yes. a guiding principal of the Skunk Ape. You know, I think... We were all so focused on that. Like, and that really brought everything together. We were going to go to this important. thing. We were going to find this thing. And instead of just like, you know, oh, we're going to go play some shows. Yeah. Right. That's one thing. But if you have like a mission... Exactly. That's and I different. think... That's the thing is like if you get past that cult of personality or this like fame game or any anybody's like personal ego and you you guys have like a guiding principle that's like for humanity like let's explore whatever it is like maybe you have a political thing maybe you have just like let's you know honor this interesting myth or sector of society or humanity or mm -hmm. his piece of history from the you know the world or the United States or wherever you're at um, I mean, what do you guys like see as like kind of a guiding idea that brings you guys all together as musicians in your band? Is there like something that maybe that you're getting across in the lyrics or with the music that like you would say is a central idea or, or central theme to your band? I think the idea of tying a lot of disparate strands together, uh, kind of taking things that that not that don't traditionally go together, but things that don't often, I guess, go together and kind of working them in a way that sounds good, but is also pushing boundaries. And also, you know, we're, we improvise a lot. And I think the, the idea of, of taking more straightforward uh, structures and, and kind of expanding that and, uh, pushing the boundaries with that and improvising and adding different layers and different elements to that and taking a lot of ideas from the past and sort of the ways that they resonate into what's going on now and the way that that kind of intermingles with a lot of different sounds that are going on now like everything from you know kind of old folk song structures to modern kind of uh, noise ideas 
and you know in, improvisational uh, sort of I guess ideas as well uh, and kind of working them all into one into one big ball of, of fun sweet sweet and how do you guys uh, go about kind of like, working them all into one um, into one big trying to capture that idea of improvisation fun. or jamming like I don't know what, on a record or you uh, know I know you said you have the jam on your on your album. It's tough because like jamming is sometimes you know it's difficult sometimes uh, because practice makes permanent is something that I like to think of. And when you, we practice the songs, we try not to practice the jams, right? Because part of part of what we do is is very very uh, uh, regular sort of not I don't want to say regular. Um, very structured songs that have a very definite way that we play them every time. And then part of the songs also have a very loose structure that is very open-ended for us to kind of delve into whatever we want to do at a certain moment. So if we over, if we play the same thing every single time, um, we will continue to play the same thing every single time. And so it's important to uh, avoid doing that and avoid practicing the same sort of jam and going in the same sort of direction every single time that you, 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 you it's, it's easy to get into patterns playing the same music um, so that's something that we I think I try to avoid I think that that's something that we, we kind of agree on um, to try to keep parts of our songs totally unique every single time we play them and then mm -hmm. parts of our songs the same exact way, at least close to the the same way, the same vibe as every every time we play them. So nice. this, we 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 ride that duality a little bit. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Sweet. And like, how did um tonight's show come together? And how do you guys like generally put together shows? Are you guys approaching it as promoters yourself and trying to like be? involved or are you like sometimes we do tonight was uh was not the case uh tonight uh, my friend jeff uh set this show up um nice he, they're on tour with waves right now yeah right? they're on tour with waves right now. i think they're playing at the paradise tomorrow maybe oh sweet um but yeah he set it up uh, he's been a friend of mine for a little bit. We played a couple of shows with Steep Leans. They actually played the, the release show for our tape a couple months ago. Nice. Um, yeah, and he messaged me and asked if we wanted to play this show. And so, you know, we were psyched on it. We wanted to play here for a, a little bit. So, uh, so we agreed to do that. And we have kind of come at it from different angles. Like for the first while we existed, maybe the first year we were a band, most of the shows that we played were shows that we booked. Like I had a monthly residency at the Midway Cafe in JP mm -hmm. for a while. And so that was kind of like we'd play there every month for a while. And then I guess it's really only been the last few months that we really started primarily playing shows that other people booked, which has been nice. It, it feels feels good to, you know, I feel like we're lucky to have uh, people that will, will reach out and, and ask us about stuff like that, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, at, like on a community level, what do you th feel like, you know, you've learned being an artist for whatever, 10 years or so as an adult, like um, as far as like 
your role in the community beyond just your personal art projects, but just like, do you feel any sort of responsibility um, in that in that sense? You know. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like everybody kind of has to play a role to keep something like kind of the community that I think we're a part of, kind of like I don't know the underground music community in Boston kind of you know t- you know takes a village you know uh everybody everybody's in a, in a band you know so that's it's less of that you know i mean it's great that everybody's in a band and i think all the bands got to get out and be able to do their thing and ideally there'd be opportunities for everybody um and so i think part of it is kind of trying to create those opportunities and you know being able to kind of give and take being able to share things with your friends give opportunities or just you know being able to share in, in, in experiences with them and uh yeah i don't know just uh kind of that that uh reciprocity yeah definitely i think it's it's the role of the, the musician to to bring to to bring to to ear what is not being heard and so that's what i'd like to to do is to to kind of uh provide a sounding board for that which is not heard often enough sweet yes speaking of music that needs to be heard let's check out another forgotten jam by request i think we should go for some deep cut we're gonna go for philip said because that's probably like one of my favorite tracks all right yeah might be so deep you guys have to email it
All right, that was a deep, deep, deep cut. What do you define as a deep cut for the Forgotten Jam? I don't know. Well, Philip said has a lot of great parts in it. And uh, the Philip said that we recorded there was totally unique. We don't play it like that anymore. Um, and I think that's what makes it special because it just lined up. Everything was great for that take, and the sound was awesome in the recording studio. And so I think that that one on our album is a, a standout track. Um, so that's what's special about that one. Nice. Well, I think everything lined up tonight so that you guys could come on the Peace Coast podcast, yeah. Into the Music, at Out of the Blue 2 Art Gallery, and more. And the more is often music at night. So come by for one of our shows most every night of the week. Um, and the Forgotten Jam, we got Tony, Zach, and Conrad here. Who's the missing member? Dave. Shout out to Dave. Dave went home early. New guitarist slash yeah, I mean, he's been with us for a newest while. member yeah. of the Forgotten Jam. You can check him out at the Forgotten Jam Um and uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, Phillips had screw it to the right. Mm -hmm. You get screwed up. We're a little bit screwed up, and we're gonna just like hang out mm -hmm. for a little Come while. Come and check longer. us out at out of the Blue Gallery. Yes, Out of the Blue Gallery uh, is an amazing space. That's where their show happened. That's where we have a lot of amazing musical performances. It's just been updated right before the new year with a new sound system. We're updating the stage to be a little more focused on performers. And then the rest of the gallery is an arts market, a cultural bazaar. You know, there's a lot of small businesses, uh, upstart artists putting their stuff in there. I've got a record store coming in the new year. Um, so stay tuned to outoftheblueartgallery.com. Stay tuned to the Peace Coast Podcast, soundcloud.com slash Peace Coast Podcast. We've got artists from Baltimore, Buffalo, New York, Toronto coming up on the uh, Peace Coast Podcast, and Providence as well, all over the country, different countries. We've got a new audio engineer from Brazil. We've got a guy in New York looking out for us now. So uh, it's going to be an exciting new year. And uh, I also want to shout out the fact that we're trying to document what's happening at this gallery because it's a unique space and uh, kind of something new. Like the Forgotten Jam was saying, they do a lot of house shows and alternative venues, and that's what Out of the Blue is. It doesn't have the same pressure to sell alcohol and, um, you know, kind of have a bouncer looking over your shoulder all the time. And so it's a real cool vibe, a family vibe. The Forgotten Jam, Conrad, all those guys, Zach, Dave, they're part of the family of Out of the Blue. And so it's great to have them on. And I want to wish you guys all a uh, happy holidays, happy new year, and stay in tune with the Peace Coast podcast. All right, Peace Coast.